Dennis Sarfate making his first appearance. What will you do to defend the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Welcome to the Green Dragon Tavern, where we talk a little treason. I'm Zach Lautenschlager. And I'm Dennis Sarfate. So as the debt ceiling fight warms up, it's tremendous fun to see what the left has to say. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who was the firebomb-throwing leftist when she got elected, uh, her party couldn't stand her. She was constantly criticizing um, her uh, party establishment from the fringe left, filling that role that if you do it well, and to be honest, from my perspective, she did it well, tactically, of course, she was supporting things that would destroy America, as she still is. But her entire uh, strategic and tactical approach was to run in and throw grenades and control the establishment, and she did a good job of it. Well, now that you have people on the right, such as Jim Jordan and Andy Biggs and Chip Roy and Thomas Massey, who are doing Byron Donalds, who are doing the same thing, uh, she complains. She says Republicans can't even get their own party behind one plan, let alone both parties. <laughs> Negotiating with that is like trying to nail jello to a tree. What is there even to negotiate? McCarthy is a mess, which, of course, is how this whole thing started. The situation is very concerning, honestly, because mess or not, the GOP was elected to govern, and they really cannot. The dynamics should shift with outside political pressure to not cut essential safety net services. Of course, she's complaining that um, the requirements that were laid down by the conservative 20 or so, um, that the debt ceiling uh, uh, increase not be passed before they got multiple different um, energy saving and, and, or I should say, money saving measures. Um, she's complaining now that that has passed. Um, we're going to whine and complain that uh, they're, they're not ruling, which is the classic complaint. Um, the Limit Save Grow Act does increase the debt ceiling, and that's not something that I think we should be doing. But the reality is, and we have worked our way to this level, to this problem. And the only way out, as I've said before, and I think as I said last week, is to do it step by step. You have to trim your budget, and you can't just trim it down to nothing in the same way that you can't just uh, snap your fingers and get out of debt as an individual. You have to trim it off and work, work your way down. Yeah, isn't this the mo of of the the liberal party, the Democrats? You know, they it, it works for us, so we'll we'll we will we'll do it. But when it comes to the Republicans trying to hold their the establishment, you know, the right. the people high up like McCarthy, you know, they're holding him to hey, if we're conservatives, then let's practice true conservatism right. and let's let's end this. You know, I I was trying to yeah, I was trying to talk to my girls and explain this how this works at a at a smaller scale, I said, well, let's just say our house is the country and our debt is getting so big that we have to start cutting different things that we like to do. So maybe the first thing would be cut, cut the cable, or maybe you're going to cut your gym membership to the third gym that you belong to and only keep two of them. You know, our country has so much fat that we could cut off. Um, I mean, I, I've researched this, they raised the debt 74 times, um, since 1962 to, to 2011, Obama raised it five times. Even under Trump, he raised it three times and the left held him hostage over raising it because they wanted DACA stuff. They wanted the Dreamers Act uh, incorporated into it. So I always see this debt ceiling as a, hey, what can we get in this bill and this spending that is absurd that we just wanna fund and uh, we'll just throw it all in there and, and add to our debt. 
I think what this, you know, this Freedom Caucus is actually doing is doing what true conservatism looks like. They're saying, hey, let's get rid of some of the, we talked about it last week, let's get rid of some of these out, out, you know, just outlandish spending things that were, you know, whether it's talking about trans in India or, or, or something else, you know, saving the, the, the salmon in, in the Pacific Northwest because of something else. You know, we, I think we spent $19 million last time on finding species of salmon in the Pacific Northwest. I think that's crazy at a time now where people are looking to save money in any way they can. Inflation's through the roof. Gas prices are on their way back up. Um, this is what it looks like. You, if you want to keep, if you want to raise the debt ceiling, which I'm against, I don't think they should. I think they should let it default and let it let it crumble down. You have to cut off some of the things that you, you're paying for that you just can't afford to pay for anymore. Well, I understand the perspective that says, "Look, we can't just default," and I I also understand what you're saying. Um, I do not. It goes very bad places uh, when we accrue this much debt. And then we continue to do so. The problem is that it also goes very bad places if we simply default. Um, and so I, 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 I may see it a little bit different, and, and maybe I'm, in this case, just not quite as conservative as you are, Dennis. Um, but I understand the perspective that says, look, we have to work our way out. And so because the House bill does end the $400 billion student loan bailout. That's a lot of money. It mm -hmm. does rescind the uh, unobligated unspent COVID relief funds. It does recoup the $80 billion IRS expansion funds. It recoups wasteful climate change spending, the stuff you were talking about. It sets a top-line discretionary funding for 10 years, which will save $3 trillion in the long term. Uh, Think about that, three, $3 trillion. Yeah. Like you say, it, we say it so loosely now because our debt ceiling has gotten so absurd. Um, and I agree with you. I, I, I don't think we can default. Our economic system right now is teetering on the brink of disaster. Um, the economy is not doing well. This guy who calls himself the president is g going for reelection. And, and the state of the country that we're in right now, and I get it, we were just leaving this, this pandemic uh, where spending was through the roof on, on trying to- From both give parties. From both parties, giving away money to people and encouraging people not to work. Uh, I listened to Jordan Peterson the other day with uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, and they talked about the long-term effects of this are worse than what the initial virus was going to kill. The, the, the economic collapse of COVID-19 is going to last for the next 20 to 30 years. That's right. And you're going to see way more people die because of it. And so now we want to raise the debt ceiling and keep funding these ridiculous things so that what? These politicians can check back with their lobbyists and make sure that they get their pockets line. I don't know. I, I, I think the debt ceiling should increase in order to keep the government working and funded. But at the same time, you have to cut costs. You can't keep yes. raising it and keep spending at the same rate. Yeah. So the question now is who is going to blink first? Is it going to be the White House? Is it going to be Senate Democrats? Is it going to be House Republicans? Um, and the, the main concern, obviously, from our perspective, is that McCarthy is going to blink. Um, the, the, you have multiple other plays that are, that are going to be tried. Um, House Democrats have a pie-in-the-sky plan that says we're going to 
um, try to run our own bill, get it to the floor, amend it, and get five Republicans to vote with us. And the reality is there are limp-wristed Republicans who probably would vote with Democrats if they're given the right um, push. Um, but the other reality is, number one, e- the timeline doesn't allow for it. They cannot get a bill through the House e- even if they controlled everything. Um, or controlled most things. If they if they could absolutely just suspend the rules, of course they can pass anything. But the reality on the timeline is they can't pass a bill in time to to forestall default by June first, most likely. That's a very tough schedule. And um, even the Senate needs sixty votes, correct? Correct. Or so they have to go I mean, nuclear, which I don't think they're going to go in this case. Yeah, Biden's already said that he would veto any bill. Um, and then you hear Byron Donalds, who actually said the right thing. He said, this is the baseline. This is where we're starting. Right. You know, this Freedom Caucus, that's, that's right, held, he held Mike McCarthy's seat. They held it hostage. They were literally saying, we will not give you the votes if you don't listen to us. And they were the true conservatives. You saw them get a lot of backlash from uh, long-time ter- long Republicans yep. uh, in, in, in the House. Uh, you saw a lot of the leadership come down hard on these guys. But this is what they did it for. These people well, are not so. dumb, and they said it was this. And and Donald Trump even made some you know some tweets out, not tweets. What I don't know if he was tweeting yet by then, but he came out and said some stuff in January where he said, "Hey, Republicans, use this, use the debt ceiling as bargaining," right. and that's exactly. And Byron Donald said it great. He's like, "This is the starting point. If they can't agree on just this, then we are not going to get a deal done." This um, really and is I, a test I, of the conservatives. It is. And so does Mike McCarthy blink? I, I hope not because Kevin. I think, or Kevin. Kevin, sorry, I keep saying Mike McCarthy. He's the football coach. Uh, <laughs> Kevin McCarthy, does he blink or do they, because they can take his his power away, correct? Well, they it, it would be very difficult to hold a vote to strip someone of speakership. But what the conservatives do hold is three seats on rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you have those three seats, as long as those three people hang together and that's uh, they can control the schedule. And so they can keep uh, McCarthy from getting things done in future. They can keep the Democrats from getting d- things done in future. And that's really what it's going to come down to. It's going to yeah. come down to whether or not uh, the conservatives refuse to blink. If they refuse to blink and go and are willing to go all the way and tell McCarthy and tell the Democrats, you want things in future, then you are going to give us these things now. We are going to stop spending at at cataclysmic levels. We are going to stop doing these things. And the things that they want, these are perfectly reasonable things. The student loan problem, there are people on the left who are looking at it going, this just does not work. The numbers don't work. You can't do this. Um, and so that's not extreme. I don't, I don't understand how that's extreme. Um, $80 billion in expanding the IRS. Yeah, that's what we all need. We need, a, we need, Tens of thousands more IRS agents pawing through every single problem. Try filing your IRS uh, tax re- uh, f- uh, paperwork without making a single mistake. It's not yeah. possible. There, no. There's not a human being on the planet who can keep from making any mistakes on something as ridiculously convoluted as your tax forms. Um, yep. Unobligated, unspent COVID relief funds. If, if by now, after the billions of dollars that have been spent on absurd, ridiculous, lining our own pockets things. If we can't believe that, yeah, we should take back the little bit that's left, oh, you know, that it's just ridiculous. Uh, the inflation... I mean, they, <laughs> talk about that, though, real quick. You saw the White House. It was almost like they were sponsored by Pfizer. Every chance <laughs> they had, they had a chance to announce Pfizer, Pfizer, Pfizer. Then come to find out that the CEO 
of, of Pfizer and the one, not the CEO, but guy who's on their board was the, used to be the head of the FDA. Like this happens all the time. And so they yeah. were funding this. And then let's talk about welfare. There's people yes. on welfare. If you, if you're doing any kind of house project right now, or some kind of remodeling, you know what I'm talking about because there is no one to work. No one wants to work. Right. They're collecting these checks and you see all these new cars on the street and you're like, well, how Jade and I say it all the time. We're out to dinner and everyone's out to dinner. Everyone's got new cars. It's like, well, I thought the economy was, was taking a hit. I thought people were, were saving and not spending. And meanwhile, you go to a dealership and half of them in Arizona are half empty. Um, so maybe let's get people back to work. Let's, let's look at the welfare that we're handing out and kind of reorganize that. I know it calls for that to restore the work requirements for welfare. A lot of people are taking advantage of these COVID regulations on the work, uh, workspace and workforce, and they're using it to their advantage. You know, trying to rein in SNAP and TANF, which are the two major federal welfare programs, has, has been something we've been trying to do for 20 years. Mm -hmm. It was a major part of the Tea Party push from 2009 onward. Um, taxed enough already. Uh, comes down to a huge part of the spending comes down to not just people who need public assistance. I mean, that's not even what we're talking about. We're talking about simply requiring people to work in order to get the money. Yeah. These are not people, just collecting, not just collecting. These are able-bodied yeah. people. Snap and TANF is largely about able-bodied people who, you know, the argument is they need a helping hand. They need a hand up, right? Not a hand mm -hmm. out, a hand up. And that's always the argument that's made and that we're just trying to help people get back on their feet. But then when you actually uh, make the rules, when the, when the federal bureaucrats actually make the rules, uh, they don't require anybody to actually get up off their off their butts. They don't require no. anyone to actually work. And that's what's going on. Now, the Democrats are coming in and, and, and the White House just lying outright that they're mm -hmm. trying to deprive military um, veterans of their benefits. Mm -hmm. It's just an outright lie. Are there military yeah. veterans who get snapped down? Yeah, I'm sure there are. Should they be required to work to get those particular funds? We're not talking about, we're not talking about VA funds. We're not mm -hmm. talking about the things that the government obligated itself as part of remuneration to veterans. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who happen to be veterans who are yeah. pursuing free money okay yep. uh, why is this a problem you it is it blows my mind and the yeah. entire argument is so dishonest this goes all the way back to fdr and the new deal uh and the argument that says well we just need to help people out but what what are we doing let's call it welfare instead of public assistance let's call yeah. it welfare why because that word's in the constitution that's right and you know what's so funny about this zach i it was it had to be a couple of months ago uh we were in line at sprouts bought my stuff but the guy in front of me with it was with another gentleman and was using, you know, food stamps. And so I'm looking at him dressed, well, well dressed, had a new iPhone. Uh, and then I, I'm, I fall out in the parking lot and he's out there and he's getting into a brand new truck. And it's like, well, this is weird because I'm paying inflation. I'm paying all kinds of money. Gas prices are going up and this guy's getting free assistance from the government. He's got a new truck got a got an iphone 14 it's like well how are we doing this we're, we're letting people slip through and you know and our borders wide open and we're letting uh illegal immigrants take jobs away from you know willing to work americans but that that statement's kind of lost now because there's not too many americans willing to work right now there, there's so many people getting free money from the government 
that has to stop. You can't keep giving away free money without the intent to go and do a job. Right. You know, we can argue over whether or not, look, when it said provide for the general welfare, you're talking about laws which, which level the playing field, laws which protect the rights of individuals, laws which um, allow everyone to compete on, a, on, on the same basis. That's what pr- provide for the general welfare means. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean give, take money from some people and give it to other people. That's not even what general welfare, general welfare means. That's, it has nothing to do with that. That's always what's been called public assistance. Now, there are arguments in some cases for public assistance. Mm-hmm. I don't think the federal government has any responsibility to participate in that because it requires administration. Now, in a vacuum, in a perfect world, the church is much better Amen. equipped to provide public assistance. Why? Through, because, through benevolences. Yeah, benevolence. In that case, you know, it, it fills the role of public assistance is what I should say. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because the church is able to provide more oversight. You actually live together. You're supposed to. You live in the same community. You know when someone could, you know, what they can and can't do and can provide things that they need. That's how it should work. It is the failure of the Christian church. We weren't doing it. We mm-hmm. didn't do it. And so the federal government began stepping in and doing it. Now, whose fault is that? Well, that's our fault. That's our fault. Mm-hmm. Now we have this system in which if you just jerk the rug out from under it, there would be massive levels of suffering, even though there are people who are taking advantage of the system. It's like the guys you see out um, you know, panhandling on the, on the corner. Some people actually need the help. And some mm-hmm. people, you watch them, and I've done this. In fact, I came across one case that I'll never forget on a busy street in a Colorado, major Colorado city, in which I drive up, and there's these two guys having a yelling match, and they both have cardboard signs, and one of them runs the other one off. It's his territory, and he goes over and gets in a brand spanking new expensive car, nicer than my car. He was out there in rough clothes with dirt on his face with a sign, and he drives off in a brand new, very nice car. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the homeless dudes actually ran him off. He was exploiting an opportunity to get free money. Well, don't tell me that those same people don't go and, and do it with, with the federal government. And the problem is the oversight sucks. Mm-hmm. The oversight sucks. And all uh, conservative House Republicans are asking for, and that's SNAP and TANF are food stamps. That's exactly what they are. It's what they used to be called. That's a, that's a derogatory term now. Sure. Can't use that term. Um, but that's all that they're asking for is a little bit more accountability. And the laughable thing is... I'm not even sure the federal government can do it. I'm not even sure they're capable. What, what, what's, the, what's the mechanism for this? You're going to trust a bunch of bureaucrats who themselves sit around, millions of them sitting around in D.C., and they can't be fired. So Why, why is everybody so scared of the Freedom Caucus? Well, it, it's right on the letter that they released. It says, shrink Washington, grow America. There you go. And, and I think that, is, that scares these long-term politicians that are in this for the long game they're in it to leave with more money than that they went what they went in with and i think that (laughs) i think that yeah i think that literally scares them you know they see guys like joe biden who have been in this when did he he's been what 40 something years through you know as a senator and now as the president look how much money he has than when he came in with and he's got four or five houses uh, we already know about his shady business dealings. He just got, I just saw a Daily Wire release uh, report that he took some kind of bribe, bribery money, um, offshore money. These people line their pockets. They line it with 
the hard work of, of Americans that are literally working their butt off to pay their bills. And, you know, it's just like, it's just like, hey, let's take advantage of a system. But they crack down on Trump taking advantage of tax, you know, tax breaks and, and different, you know, reading the tax law as what it is. But they're trying to go right. after him for, you know, cutting corners. And meanwhile, they're doing it with our money, with our right. debt, or well, the national yeah. debt on our children, on our grandchildren. It's the average debt is going to be, re it's unpayable. It's so unpayable. Joe it is. How, how on earth are you going to do that? When Joe Biden became a senator, it was in 1972. That's mm -hmm. 51 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I don't remember what he was before he was a senator. I doubt. I, I think he served. I have house. a word for it, but it wouldn't be appropriate for the, <laughs> for the show. <laughs> <laughs> not sure he stopped when he became a senator. Yeah, true. But the, so the national debt was $427 billion in 1972. Now that's a lot of money. Sure. You know what it is today? It's thirty-one point four trillion. The, That's one of the problems is that how do you how do you picture in your mind the difference between five hundred billion? That's half a trillion, mm -hmm. and nearly thirty-two trillion. Half a yeah. trillion to thirty-two trillion. Um, that is, it is almost unimaginable. You know, one of my favorite. In fact, he is my favorite congressman. Is Congressman Thomas Massey. Um, he has developed, an, and he's an MIT graduate and an inventor, um, but he made a wearable debt clock. Have you seen it? It's just a little box with numbers that tick up shockingly quickly. It looks, wow. like, it looks like a reverse time bomb because uh -huh. the number's going up and up and up, and it's, it's about you know, that big. You wear it on your lapel. That's um, awesome. It, it is That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I love Thomas. And... Uh, it is shocking. It's stunning. The reason it's okay, the reason we can just walk around and, and act like everything's okay is because you, it, it's hard to, to fathom just how serious those numbers are. And yep. so you have people who are taking unbelievable advantage of mm -hmm. the American people. It is, it is shameless. It is, it is beyond shameless. And what are they all on fire about today? Well, Clarence Thomas had a grandnephew who had his education funded by a donor. Mm. Never mind the fact that, yeah, so ultimately what you're saying is that everybody's 52nd shirt tail cousin on their grandmother's side has to report their uh, income because mm. somebody in their family is a Supreme Court justice? Yeah. The, law actually, the law actually is very clear as to who has to, how you have to report uh, your, your earnings, your income, and the, the things that are given to you and to your children. I'm afraid grandnephews don't quite count. And we're, we're over there throwing a fit that some private individual funded a grandnephew of a Supreme Court justice that we don't like because he's been a conservative thorn in the leftist's flesh for yeah. his entire tenure. But you don't see you don't see the, the the stories coming out on Justice Sotomayor, who literally took money from a publishing company uh, in in three point I think three point six million over a, a few years, and then oh didn't goodness. recuse herself from any of the 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 court cases that in, included this so publishing company, which well, is just you know. bizarre. Which is just bizarre to me, right? You're taking money from yeah. a company, and she re didn't recuse herself, so. It's like no one cares about facts anymore. You know, Thomas Massey said it, said it best. If we don't cut spending, it's going to keep raising inflation. It's going to deflate the dollar. All the stuff that you're, you're working for 
you now your dollar's not worth what it was yesterday or the day before that, but prices for food keep going up and products keep going up, gas keeps going up. So if you don't cut the spending, it's going to just it continues wreck. To it's going to it's gonna continue to spiral. And then if you default, then it's going to just crush the economy as well because yep. everything runs on the government. That's where we are. So I I, I do I I'm, I'm not going to walk back my statement. I, I do believe we need a debt ceiling raised in order so that it doesn't default and make the economy just go haywire. But if we're going to raise it, we have to cut spending. Yeah, you, ha you have you have to stop spending to keep up with what you're raising it to. Yep. The the shocking level to which the federal government affects your daily life is unbelievable. Um, mm -hmm. the, the amount of shock that is there. How many people know, did you know, I did not know this until I started researching it, that the two federally controlled um, lending outfits, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they underwrite between 60 and 70%. They are responsible. They, they are the ones who own 60 to 70% of home mortgage debt yep. in America. That and is an and unbelievable number. It is, and that's going to go up now. I mean, now they're giving... Now it's actually a bonus if you have terrible credit and, a, and no down payment exactly. for a house. You actually get rewarded for it, where it used to be where... Yep. You worked hard, you build your credit score up so that why? You were deemed a good a person that was you can lend money to with, with less, you know, risk. Right. Uh, you know, you had a debt, you know, whatever, debt to income ratio. But now you're going to reward people who can't really afford to live in the house that they want. The median house costs across Arizona are through the roof. So now you're going to lower requirements. And do you think that's going to work out real, real well <laughs> that people have shown in their own life by their debt? I mean, by, by your FICO score, you've shown how you pay back debt, how you handle credit card debt, how you handle credit cards. Right. Do you spend? Do you overspend? Have you owned a car before? You know, have you had, you know, auto loans? You're now rewarding someone on a lifetime loan, say $400,000 house, if you have a, a lower credit score, you have a less down payment. Against someone who has a, a 750 credit score has a higher down payment. They're gonna pay, pay higher costs throughout the loan just because they have a better score. And it's just to help lower income families get housing. That is a disaster. There is no way you cannot look at this and come away saying that Biden's new home loan rules are a benefit to the market. The entire no. concept of of taking of, of trying to fix the the bubble burst in two thousand eight two thousand nine, um, the entire reason for doing anything with that was you had banks taking on bad debt. Mm -hmm. This I, I read this again and again, and I come away saying this is a huge incentive to bad debt. That's what this is. There is there's no other way to look at this. When you look yeah. at it and go, okay, someone who has a credit score, let's say 800, which is very high, uh, the, and they put 20% down. They have the money to put a 20% down, which is used to be the kind of the minimum, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, they go with the FFA loan, 5% down level type thing, which, look, if, if someone's at that point... It's available. Do I have a problem with someone saying, well, look, I'm going to put 5% down and hopefully I can grow my assets? No, I, I understand. But this actually penalizes three mm -hmm. times the number, the amount of fees if you do 5% instead of 20%. And that's if you have an 800 credit score. So to put that in perspective, 
it's between two and and eleven thousand dollars in fees that they hide, and this is mm-hmm. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. It, they they level things out. That's what it's all about. We're going to charge more um, for, and it's it's always been they charge more for higher risk. Mm-hmm. And now that alone is just outrageous. It's disgusting to have the federal and, government coming in saying we're going to charge fees based on how much money you have or don't have, but now they're reversing it. And so they're saying the entire reason we did this was to overcome uh, private industry's desire to go into bad debt. And then they saddle Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac with it who buy that debt. Now you're reversing it. So you're talking about maybe up to $30,000 in fees. Yeah. And that's, yeah, because that's just not something that you're paying up front, right? If it was just like, hey, I'm going to penalize you guys. You have to pay this $8,000 fee and it's done. No, people are lumping this into their loans. So now it's, $40 $40 a month extra on right. a $400,000 loan. And that's now you're talking about interest. You're talking about inflation, your dollar deflating. Right. Well, so it's actually, math. if you do the math, it's, it's way more than what they, they, in the articles that you read, it's, it's only $40, oh, it's $40 a, a month. month. Yeah. Do that's that like, times. Tw- that's 12. like two gallons of milk now. Um, well, and do it times 12, 12 yeah. times 30. I yep. did it. It's $15,000, $40 yeah. a month over a 30 year loan is $15,000. You're going to pay $15,000 without the interest, without the without interest the attached interest. to it's it. No interest. So. You, know, you don't figure the accrual. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> the economic illiteracy. Yeah. Is also I mean, shocking. In 2008, how do we get into that problem? Well, if you, there, there's the big risk, there's all these movies that they came out with, right. To, to show how we were foolish to let these banks do this. You know, you had strip club, uh, workers buying four or five houses, eight hundred thousand dollar houses, because they were they had the down payment or they had three percent down, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, when the interest kicked in at you know fourteen percent, this is the equivalent to. I know uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but I did go to college uh, for two years before playing and getting drafted. But when you go in your first year at university, you, there's credit card applications everywhere, right? Why do they do this? Why do they put them on every every table and chair in every classroom because kids are irresponsible. When you get to college and you're 18, you're like, oh, I can get a credit card. Oh, sweet. And then you run up credit at 18% interest rate, sometimes up to 29%. That's what we're doing. We're, get, we're, we're rewarding these people who have not shown a, a, a sheet of, hey, listen, this guy has been a good borrower for X amount of years. We're just saying, hey, you know what? Uh, we need to get rid of some houses and let people that can't really afford them afford them. So we're just going to penalize the the people with good scores and open up more uh, funding to these people that really don't need to put all this money into the debt. I mean, they're in debt. As soon as they buy that house, they're in debt. That person loses their job. How do they pay for this? Well, it's very they don't. bad. It for defaults. Those people. That's it's point. very bad for them, and it's not good for either side. And people don't understand it is it used to be a thing where you saved up to own a house, like, right. You, you worked hard, you put money away, you got the down payment and then you knew, okay, I have to work X amount of years and make this much to make sure I can pay this house off. And we're, we're taking that model and we're just turning it upside down and saying, well, Hey, you can work at McDonald's and make minimum wage and we'll get you a house. And don't worry if you lose your job or if they, your, your job's obsolete in 20 years or 15 years, by the end of it, you might only owe this much and you'll, we'll just default on it. You know, it, it's not fair. You're almost tricking people into doing something that's foolish. Well, they definitely are. They're, they're incentivizing being foolish. They're incentivizing yep. um, not just stealing from other people, 
because mm-hmm. that's what's going on. You you actually are participating in some level of theft, mm-hmm. but then you are incentivizing um, becoming uh, financially irresponsible, and that's that's a problem because eventually you can't feed yourself. Eventually, mm-hmm. you can't live a good life, financially speaking. And how is that a good thing? <laughs> it's it's like giving your children candy for throwing a fit. Yeah, that doesn't end well. If you reward bad behavior, you will get more bad behavior. And yeah, it's not fun to put up with bad behavior. But why is it that we don't want our children to be throwing fits all the time? Is it because we don't like to be embarrassed in the grocery store, or is it because we love our children and it's not good for them to to believe that I can get what I want by screaming? Mm-hmm. Well, it's option two. It's because it's bad for them. Yeah, it's bad to it's bad to encourage bad behavior because bad behavior hurts the people who are behaving badly. Well, yeah. Look at look at the money. All right. Say say you're you're a person who can't afford a house, but with this, it opens up a door where hey, you know what? We can put three percent down. Uh, don't have to have our credit score high, and we're going to get this amount of a monthly mortgage. What they don't realize is that at a six percent interest rate, where it is right now, over the life of that loan, that four hundred thousand dollar house is close to like six hundred thousand dollars. Yep. And yep. and as that keeps growing, your dollar is shrinking because of this country spending problem. It's it's a recipe for disaster. It really it 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 it's it's pun- it is punishing the people who have worked hard and have raised their credit score to have breaks where, hey, listen, you can borrow money because we can trust you. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to, to talk down on people who can't afford the house that don't have a, a 800 credit score or don't have you know 20% to put down. I'm just saying responsibly, this is, this is like how we spend as a country. This is the most irresponsible thing you can do is open up the housing market to people who can't afford it long, long term. And right. who, who makes money? Who makes the money, Zach? Who, who in the end makes all the money? The Fannie people, Mae and Freddie Mac. Correct. And the people who are taking advantage of that. The, the individuals. Right. And we look at it and go, well, the government is owned by the public. No. Well, first of all, they don't act that way. But second, the, the reason that is true is because individuals are benefiting. Mm-hmm. And they're benefiting to the tune of billions of dollars. Yep. This, it is not an exaggeration to point out that you have a corporate mafia like you have not seen. And the, the Democrats and the, the leftist Republicans are out there saying that we're standing against the, the big corporations. All of these policies line the pockets of the people who are involved in those corporations. How is that fighting them? I don't understand. It looks to me like collusion between big government and big business. And that is always what you get when you pursue Marxism, which is what this mm-hmm. is. Let's exploit um, a natural proclivity to envy in order to tell people that, well, you, should, you deserve this, rather than recognizing that the federal government could fix some of these deep problems so that a young couple actually could afford a house. Houses would would cost little enough and the money would be worth enough to Mm -hmm. actually start with a house. That is not beyond the pale. This is how it used to work. And now we look at it and go, well, we need all these government programs which cause inflation in order to fix inflation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you can't do that. 
you are literally trying to lift yourself off the ground by pulling on the bottom of your chair. You know, my mm-hmm. two-year-old will sit there in her high chair and she'll grab the seat and she'll jerk up. She's pulling up. She goes, heavy, heavy. It, well, it's yeah, like you know, pulling, <laughs> pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Isn't that what AOC right? argued well, at and, one point? <laughs> you know what? That's a saying because it's a lot of hard work yeah. for an individual to make enough stuff and to solve all the problems to get to the point to where you actually have the time to make more and to become comfortable, right? If, and if, the, interest rate, if the interest rate was 1% or 2%, right. do you see that Freddie... Freddie Mac no. and Fannie Mae doing this? No, no, they would. No chance. It's usury, right? And usury it's, benefits the lender. That's right? right. And that's what's going on. And that, why do we call it usury? Because it is rich people using poor people. That's mm-hmm. why it's called usury. And so ultimately what's going on, an individual can actually create stuff that is worth something. And Mm -hmm. people actually make things. So do people who work together. And that's why we call them corporations. Now, if they, you have to watch them because they constantly want to use poor people as well. But there is an entity that doesn't make a thing and literally cannot lift itself. That is the federal government. The federal Mm -hmm. government, any government, but in this case, we're talking the federal government, they cannot lift themselves. They can't bootstrap. Individuals are actually able to make things, which by working very hard, you can make things that, that eventually pay enough money to be able to use that money to make more money. And you can start, you can become comfortable. You don't have to slave and toil in order to live a comfortable life, as long as the government will leave you alone as long as you can keep corporations from, from trying to take advantage. But when you have them in collusion, it becomes very, very difficult. It becomes mm-hmm. very difficult. And now the danger is, well, the temptation is, well, let's just use money from the government to be comfortable now. And that's what's going on. That's exactly I, what you have. Yeah, and I, and I think it comes down to they're using this, the, the left, the Democrats are using this to pander votes. They're, they're oh, saying, yeah. oh, look, they care about the lower income and they care about, and so what is that? I was able to get a house because of this new bill. And really, they're taking advantage of you. It's like, <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most unreal thing that you can look at from the outside and see like, oh, one person, well, one corporation is the one making all the money on this. You might get your house, but you very well could lose it within the next 10 years, if not before, because inflation's gonna go up and what's gonna end up happening? You can't keep up with the interest payments on right. your house. And so now you realize if I keep paying my monthly mortgage, I'm gonna end up paying three times what this house is worth. Right. And so I'm. why would I keep doing that? So I'll just default, I'll leave, I'll short sale it, and now who gets it? And then it goes on to the next person. And it, it, it always ends bad whenever you allow people who cannot spend conservatively and you give them expensive items, um, you know, I just, I really, I, I, I worry about where this goes and when's the next housing crisis gonna happen because I know this wouldn't have happened if the interest rates were at 2% right now because then you would see people buying responsibly. You would Correct. say, okay, I can afford you this. And here, you wouldn't need government assistance. I, anytime the government touches something, it doesn't make it better, I'll tell you that much. Have you ever th- stopped and asked, I'm sure you have, many of our listeners probably have, why does the federal government set the interest rate? What on earth, why is it a good idea to have a bunch of rich bureaucrats who are paid astronomical amounts of our money to tell us, well, you have to pay more interest now because mm-hmm. that's going to fix the economy. You have this voodoo black magic box that says when we do this, this happens. 
-hmm. Well, I'm not even convinced that that's the way it actually works. I don't think that it is not, there is not some immutable law that says when you raise the interest rate, you control inflation. There are certain causes and effects, but that's in an artificial system. And we allow people in government who are bureaucrats to be paid large amounts of money to fiddle with the monetary policy to their benefit and tell us that it's good for us. How, how does that make sense on any level? It simply yep. doesn't. Now, the good news from my perspective is that if we can get ourselves out of the loop that says, I want comfort now, I want to live the good life now, and work through the reality that says, I want to make things, I want to, to build stuff, I want to actually create things that other people will pay money for, because that is a benefit to society. If we put ourselves in that mindset, then there are all kinds of ways to work through becoming... Um, to to survive this kind of economic downturn and upset and depression and regression, whatever we're going to call it, and actually benefit. And there are people who do think that way, and they do benefit. How do you think George Soros got all of that money? Yeah. How, how, how does it that he has enough money to try to ruin countries now, mm -hmm. to ruin the United States of America? Because there was a time when he was poor and, and kept his head and watched for ways to make stuff that other people wanted and to take mm -hmm. advantage of them. And then they go from there to taking advantage of people. I'm not saying that Soros gained all of his money honestly, not by a long shot. Um, but if we watch, if we're willing to work hard and to, to um, provide a good or a service that people want, there are people who made a lot of money during the Depression legally, during the Great Depression. There are people mm -hmm. who made money legally at every economic downturn all the way around. And so, am I saying it's a good idea? No, there are all kinds of ways to dishonestly take advantage of poor people. But there mm -hmm. are also a lot of ways to make things that people want and need and who will willingly and gladly pay you money for it. That yeah. is how this works. And the problem with the United States right now, our problem is that we are allowing our government to create a, uh, an, an antipathy towards making things towards working and producing things. And that's, that's really what the problem with the economy is. As soon as Americans start going, well, I'm going to make stuff and I'm going to sell it. Guess what? The economy turns around. You see it all the time. Mm -hmm. It happens especially during war because now there's a demand and people are willing to work. Now, that's not a good thing. War is a racket. And it always is exploited as a racket. Um, but it demonstrates the fact that when you make stuff, you can actually make things better. Yeah, and when you don't make things that are good, uh, Washington Post, Vice, BuzzFeed, you start to have layoffs, right? So we're going to talk about now is <laughs> the legacy media imploding, and you know we, <laughs> we talked about, right. We talked about Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon last week, and uh, Tucker came out and he released this. I think it was three minutes. I, yeah. I could be it's, off if, if even that. If even that, and it got more views than Fox News did the entire day. <laughs> Um, they were averaging about 1.8 million viewers per night in the, in the week following Carson's departure. When he was there, he was usually about 3 million viewers. Right. So when you lose 1.2 million viewers from firing one person, not a good business, not a good business decision. And, you know, Washington Post started laying people off. BuzzFeed's bankrupt uh, or Vice is bankrupt. Uh, BuzzFeed's in trouble. BuzzFeeds is shutting down news. Um, they're laying off a huge chunk of their staff. 
why why do you think this is all of a sudden coming about? Is it, does this have anything to do with wokeism, Zach, or is this something where these corporations were spending outlandish for news and and then they imploded on themselves? Well, you certainly see, um, you know, Vice News has released some of you know some of their stuff now, uh, some of their financials, and the amount of money they were, the billions that they were spending is uh, shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of money, um, being spent. And so I think, yeah, you can't spend more than you make. That's, you know, that's, that's what happens. But why, why is it that they had that money and now they don't, right? Why is it mm-hmm. that, that people were looking and now they're not? It's because, um, the media companies have pushed things to the level that it doesn't matter that, that it, you can tell people you can't believe your own eyes. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter that someone may be chanting a, 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 a yes, a downright vulgarity and in chanting, um, F Joe Biden at a race at a, at a car race. Right. Mm-hmm. A, a, and, um, eventually the, the commentator says, no, what they're chanting is let's go Brandon because there's a driver named Brandon who's doing well. That's what yeah. they're chanting. And you can't, you can't believe your own ears. You have to believe what we tell you. Now, sure. look, I'm, I'm not going to get into the debate whether it's a good idea. I think using vulgarity, especially in public is a bad idea. Um, and it, it is downright wrong to take God's name in vain. If you want to take, you know, there's a range. But um, chanting that kind of vulgarity and animosity toward any human being is, is bad. That's wrong. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not a good thing. But what people are doing, I understand the, the, um, the sentiment. The sentiment is, yeah, let's go, Brandon. We can't even believe our own eyes and ears. And mm-hmm. that's what people are saying. We can observe that wearing a mask doesn't actually change anything. Mm-hmm. We can observe that going one way down the aisle and you have to go around to the other aisle in the store to go the other way, that's going to save lives. Mm-hmm. That you're killing grandma if you don't accept a vaccine that is potentially very bad for your health. These are, these are things that, that massive numbers of people looked at and said, well, look, wearing a mask might be a good idea in certain circumstances. I may even want to voluntarily choose to get the vaccine or yep. whatever we're going to call the RMNA treatment. Um, I, I, may, I may voluntarily, just to make fee- people feel better, go follow the arrows in the grocery store. Those are all fine decisions to make. The problem is when, when the media gangs up together to tell you, yeah, these things are absolute truth and you have to believe them. You, you, mm-hmm. And if you don't believe them, you're a horrible person and you're just, you're just flaunting reality. They love to talk about, and, and there was a recent, um, I think, I can rem- I, now I don't remember if it was Washington Post or New York Times, I think it was the Times, um, major article on the problem between, a, on a 90% story. And they're trying to figure out how can we report the debt ceiling? Because they say a 100% story is where the facts are obvious and anyone who disagrees with the facts is just wrong. We know we're 100% mm-hmm. right, and their examples of 100% right was climate change. That's where we know we're 100% right. Climate change deniers are just, are, they're so wrong that they, they might as well just be Nazis. That's their 100% yeah. story. And then you have a 50% story where you've got two sides and you can just report the news. You know, you get this side says this, this side says this, and we'll just let it go. And, but the problem is when it's a 90% story, when we think we're right, but we can't prove it. And the entire thing, you sit there and you go, they're saying that climate change is the example of we know we're right and everyone else is so wrong that we should ship them off to Siberia. We should put yeah. them in prison camps. Okay, and then we stop back, and, and, and then they're shocked when people start to go, the emperor has no clothes. Everybody mm-hmm. can see it. The emperor has no clothes. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Vice, Vice was valued at about $6 billion in, as early as 2017. 
they they're trying to sell now, right? They can't even get a billion to buy their company. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just see it as, you know, Fox News and you can dig into why they fired Tucker, whether it was due to the settlement um, on Dominion, was it was it due to Rupert Murdoch just being strong armed by uh, the vaccine and big pharma? I, I don't I don't know. But it wasn't a good business decision. If I own a company, if I own a baseball team, right, and I'm gonna push my baseball team to the highest, and I and I buy all these great players, right? But then I, I play them in this ridiculously big stadium, and I, I get all these home run hitters. But then I I put the fences forty feet farther out. Well, why did I just spend all that money on these guys? It was a waste of money. Fox News literally had the home run hitter, right? They had yep. the guy who literally he said all right fox jump on my back even when everyone all the conservatives were so mad after the election in 2020 right, right they were so mad that they called <laughs> they were so mad that they called arizona early they were so mad about this yeah. the morning shows and all that and who did they put tucker carlson put them on his back and said let's go guys ride me like a like a racehorse <laughs> and then they let him go and everyone's like well wait a second this can't be right. good for business and it's not 1.2 1.2 million viewers less than right. when you had the guy. And I guarantee you the people that's saving them now are guys like Jesse Waters and um, Kilimead and those guys who are far more conservative than the other ones. Uh, I can't say Hannity because I just can't listen to the guy. Um, <laughs> His but views this, don't say that. This is, you know, this, is what, this is what we're doing. And you're talking about these companies. Well, where are they going to? Well, they're going to Rumble or they're going to Twitter. Right, you know, there's so Babylon many people B. Twitter now. Look at look at how much money Joe Ro Joe Rogan was canceled, but look at where Joe Rogan got. He's on Spotify, and he just made what he said the other day. He said Tucker Carlson is going to make so much money. You might as well just start dropping the bags off at his house because <laughs> he doesn't. He's going to go to Spotify, and he's going to instantly whatever he says, millions and millions of people. Well, how many millions? Well, at least 1.2. <laughs> I mean, if, if you do the well, math, yeah. well, you know. It's reported that Tucker's little basement video got 80 million views. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, I, I look at that and I go, holy cow, I'm not sure how you verify that, but that is unbelievable. I mean, that's 80 a million number. views. All maybe, the people that voted for true. Trump. It's all the people that voted for Trump. <laughs> oh, it's the one that voted for Biden, right? So, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the unwilling, there are two sides to this coin, right? American media from the beginning until about, uh, you know, World War II, they were open about the fact that they did have opinions, that they are human beings and that they do support one side, right? That is, that's, that's part of hum humanity. If you don't actually have an opinion, you're a robot, you're AI, mm -hmm. at least so far. Maybe AI will start having opinions in the future. I'm not convinced. But mm -hmm. so far, you are a robot if you don't have an opinion. That's why you still have newspapers called the Daily Democrat or the, you know, the, the Spokane Republican or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. they, they were honest about, hey, we have opinions. And then they said, and we are going to acknowledge where we come from. We're going to acknowledge our perspective. We're going to be honest about reality. And then we are going to try to do the same everywhere else. We're going to try to be... Um, honest about the fact that, well, I might be slightly biased here, so we'll have another opinion, or, or here's, here are facts that you can dig into, you can look at. Mm -hmm. And so um, those things 
have been part of American media. I were part of American media for a long time. And there were er eras when media was more biased. During the third presidential election, you can look at what media said about their opposing candidate. It was Jefferson and John Adams. Um, and it was, some of it's quite shocking. Um, you have you actually had newspaper owners who had duels and shot one another um, during that period, and so those you know those realities you can't change that you can't you can't just ignore that yeah you can you can be unbalanced but we've gone so far and it's the level of dishonesty to say that we are unbiased newspaper reporters are mm-hmm. the only people who don't have bias and then they are the blatant bias is shocking you come away mm-hmm. saying. We, you know we can see you, right? We actually hear what you say. We can see what you're doing. And, and you're telling us that you're not doing it. It's like, yeah, it, you know, it's like catching your kid with the hand in the cookie jar. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's not even just in, in news reporters. Even in the sports world, right? You have sports reporters where, let's just say, a Christian athlete doesn't want to wear yeah, a yeah. LGBTQ jersey. Um, and then they're crushed in the media. It's, you have to be mind. inclusive. You have to be inclusive. And then the Christian sits there and scratches his head like inclusive. So like you're inclusive about my religion and my rights. <laughs> but you God know, forbid if, someone kneel and pray right, in the end zone. Right. Where or Tim point Tebow, to the sky. Tim Tebow did that uh, way before they were kneeling for uh, po- uh, you know, police crime and injustice in, <laughs> right. in the police kneel world. Kneel to pray. Uh, and and they, they forced him out of the NFL pretty much because they were so appalled that he would pray on the field. Co- a coach just won a... Uh, Yes. A lawsuit That's against right. a school for trying to fire him for praying before a game, which Silently, in football he was praying football, himself. Yeah. He wasn't in requiring football, anyone else. In football, if you literally don't pray before you go out and play, I think you're insane uh, <laughs> to put yourself in that kind of harm's way. You've seen what happened to people where they die on the field because of a hit yes. or they're paralyzed. Like you should be praying every day, no matter what. But specifically before a football game, but you know you're seeing these provocators like you know all right tucker carlson yes he's a provocateur where he sure. goes to the to the right and then you have don lemon who goes towards the left and but let's why can't news be reported as news why can't all right climate change here's the facts right. here's our opinion like right. you can think climate change is real and it's going but let's start looking at the facts and combing through it from even like 1920 right let's be honest and, and it we, starts it yeah. starts to crush your opinion like huh like maybe it's not because I'll tell you what, the billionaires don't believe in climate change or they wouldn't be building their homes on the ocean. <laughs> if they were so worried about it, they wouldn't be flying on their private jets when you can drive an hour away. Like, let's be real here. There is a, there, there's a farce going on and it has to do with climate change and the facts. So if they're lying about their baby, what else are they going to lie about? Well, we saw January 6th. I mean, you can think about the biggest news articles or news stories of the last two years. Take COVID. What are we finding out now about the origins of COVID? If you said oh, yeah. that this was from a man-made lab, you were deemed a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist crushed in the media. Uh, Jay Bhattacharya, I talked about earlier, who is, he's got an, a PhD, an MD from Stanford on economics literally talked about all of this stuff that was going to happen from the economic fallback on closing up schools and closing up businesses where he actually spoke to Trump was in was in the Oval Office with Trump and Trump wanted to not close down everything but he was so scared for the fallout with the election well going forward he lost the election but that whole thing started but we look back now and we can prove that there was a lot of things that were 
brought up in the media that were lies. They were, they were flat out lies. And now the COVID vaccine, there's now things coming out, flat out lies. The mask, lies. So who holds the, who holds the media conglomerate responsible? The people, the people do, right? If you don't want them, you stop watching. Uh, I can't tell you the last time I watched Fox News, even when Tucker was still on it, but now that Tucker's off of it, I have zero chance of ever putting on Fox News. Like, I, I wouldn't even watch it. So it's, it's called, you know, holding them accountable. And if you report falsely, you should have to own it. Like, yeah, we reported on this and we have to make this right. You should have to do another publication later on to say, hey, we were wrong. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we do. When there's an of instead of a the, we put a big yeah. note at the top. You're right. It says, we changed this part of the story. Oh, we got that guy's name wrong. It's doctor, not mister. Oh, well, there's an important detail here. We got one day off. Yeah. And, and we're going to ignore the fact that, look, we all have to admit that the Hunter Biden story was real. It wasn't Russian dis disinformation. Everybody knows it. And the major media has had to admit it. And now guess what? Oh, well, it was, it was tooth and nail, tooth and nail. It's outrageous. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.